Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. study on talks you appreciate you guys being there in the chat room and tonight we're going to be in the book of job chapter one part two how you doing brother david i'm doing good pastor don very good looking forward to the study amen brother amen well folks the other night we got down got through the first five verses in the book of job we went over a little bit of the time period it was written i hit a little bit on who i think the author of it is um i think brother david mentioned a little bit about the land of us which i wanted him to do again i I, I went back and listened to the program and i i didn't mean to cut him off but i did he was trying to explain something about us and i'll let him complete that thought in just a second 
But um, we got down through the first five verses, and I made a lot of comments about the, the book, what people thought about it. It's the oldest book in the Word of God, in the canonized Scripture, and how it's possibly the oldest book in the world. There's nothing new in this book, folks. As we go through this book, every chapter, you're going to see as we go through the verses and uh, and the uh, parallelisms come up, you're going to see that there's nothing changed with human nature. You're going to see if you're spiritually attuned and know and understand the New Covenant and the New Testament, you're going to see how every bit of the New Testament is right here in the book of Job. And I'm going to bring that stuff out. And we're going to do that pretty shortly here in a few minutes with a specific thing. A lot of people have made the simplistic overture about Job. Well, it it talks about why do the righteous suffer. It said it, it offers that question. Well, that's one of the things that the book of Job does. It gives forth a... um. A veiled reason of why the righteous suffer. Or you can be like C.S. Lewis, and when they asked him why did the righteous suffer, he said, why not? They're the only ones that can handle it. There's a lot of truth to that, by the way. God's elect. But anyway, another thing that we learn in the book of Job, you're going to see right off the bat that God uses Satan to glorify himself. Yes, that's right. And for, like I said the other night, for the people that want to bounce all over the place and try to tell you there's no literal devil, there's no literal Satan, I, I, I hope that they just run along and not make sure they don't get caught in the traffic somewhere because they don't have bat sense when it comes to the Word of God, period. Folks, this book is fantastic, all right? I mentioned in the first program how it covers all kind of real science, real scientific things. We'll get into that as we go through here. It talks about stuff. It talks more about creation than the book of Genesis does. There's more references to creation in the book of Job than there is in Genesis. And it's one of the most unread books this day and time among Christians that there is in the Word of God. There's all kind of things that could be learned in this book. And I need to uh, correct a mistake that I made the other night also. I got flim-flammed around in my mind. Is after the pain comes the joy. That's the way you remember where the book of Job is. Job is right before Psalm. It's, oh me, oh me, glory, glory, hallelujah. That's the way I originally knew where to turn in my Bible to find Job and Psalms. They were right together. Job's the pain, hallelujah, glory to God, is this book of Psalms. And I had it just bass backwards the other night. But anyway, that's straightened out. But we're down here through, first, I'm going to get Brother David to go through the first five verses again in case the Lord slings something out in my feeble mind to bring out that I missed the other night. And I'll let Brother David continue on with his thought about us. And um, then we will get into the spiritual realm down in verse 6. But before we get into any of that, Brother David, if you would open us in a word of prayer, Brother. 
Certainly. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give thanks that we're able to meet together again tonight, that we have the legal privilege of opening up your word and we're not being persecuted for meeting and we're not we're maybe being recorded and spied on and glory to God I hope they get an earful but Father in the name of Jesus I pray tonight that the Holy Spirit lift up the Lord Jesus Christ the preeminent one and that the Spirit of God gives us revelation in our hearts and minds of the hidden things in the Word of God and renews and restores in us and and causes us to remember those things we've already learned but maybe have forgotten and that a new fire of zeal for you would start again this evening and continue and we pray this to your glory and i pray for don that he'd be anointed and that he'd holy spirit that you'd bring to his remembrance all those things that you want him to teach and i pray for his physical body that he'd be completely relieved of any pain or discomfort and i pray all these things in the name of jesus to the glory of jesus so be it amen Amen. Okay, Brother David, um, if you would, go ahead and start okay. with verse 1, brother, and then you can go ahead and expound on us when you finish okay. the first verse. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And, uh, well, I think I pretty much covered it, but I'll just go into again to what i said as uh, itself the word means wooded and as was a son of aram and the grandson of seth now what i'm drawing is a parallel here between who job was and i'm saying okay he was there's a good chance he was in this land that belonged to a sethite originally us and this is an area southeast of palestine so, I, I can see that maybe he's a Sethite here, but then I looked at the word perfect, and the word perfect itself also brings up connotations that he is a, a white man as well, because the word symbolizes that he's perfect, he's complete, he's one who lacks nothing in physical strength and beauty, he's sound and wholesome, an ordinary quiet sort of person, the most important definition being one who is morally and ethically pure. Yes. But the the other aspect was that he lacked nothing in physical strength and beauty, so he was perfect. That popped out in my mind, and I kept looking at it, and and then I decided to look it up in Hebrew, and uh, as soon as I seen that uh, definition, then I thought about Noah and how he was perfect in his generations. Mm-hmm. And I believe there's a parallel there that he was perfect in his um, family tree and in his DNA, his genealogy, just like Noah was, and that he was likely a Sethite. I believe that too. And let me tell you another reason why I believe that is because that in both both cases... Both of them are mentioned in the book of Ezekiel, Noah and Job. Remember? I brought oh, yeah. it up the other night. Noah, yeah. Daniel, and Job by their own yeah. righteousness. Anyway. Yes. That just Amen. go along with what you said, brother. Okay, and now carry on now, verse two. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was seven thousand sheep and three thousand camels. <laughs> 
and 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. Okay. I'll make mention of this. In the Old Testament, as you see here with Job, and the way it was with Abraham, and the way it was with Solomon in the first part of his life, you notice that wealth has nothing to do with their spirituality. In other words, in the Old Testament, wealth has nothing to do, is not connected with whether a person, so to speak, is righteous or wicked or good or bad or whatever. In the Old Testament, that's in the Old Testament. Folks, I don't care where you've been taught, what you've been, where you've been. It ain't that way in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. It's not that way. It flip-flops. It flip-flops, and I, we're fixing to go get into some of that in just a few minutes. And to, to deny these scriptures that we're fixing to go into shortly, they're not out of context. They're, they're, they're not just yanked out of context. They're all in the context of the subject that I'm going to bring forth. Okay? I just want you, I'm going to preface where we're fixing to go shortly by telling you that. All right? And if, hey, don't take my word for nothing. Check it out. Check it out. Like I said, this book. One of most people they'll tell you, oh, Job's about why the righteous suffer, right? Suffering. What's it all about? Well, we're fixing to find out a little glimpse shortly into some actions of the Lord. Then we're going to skip over when we get on down and finish this spiritual insight. We're going to skip to the New Testament and see what the New Testament has to say about this specific thing about righteous suffering. No difference. This is on an individual basis, folks, like I said the other night. This shows you, especially when we get to verse 6, Lord, the Lord is interested in individuals. Satan is interested in individuals. Don't try to figure it out. Okay? Don't even try to. I'll try to give a little light on that in just a second. In verse 6, and seven and eight, I'll try to give a little light on that, but there, there's some stuff that we'll never know. It says in Deuteronomy, the secret things belong to the Lord. And we're going to run a couple of references on this stuff about knowing all the mind of God shortly, if I don't forget. Because if you come into this book and think that you're going to learn everything about it, that you're going to just nail it down, and you don't have to read it anymore, there's no, you are a fool. I said a fool, and I meant a fool. You deceived your own self and are being deceived at the same time. There are certain things you can lock down in this book, but it just keeps revealing and keeps revealing and keeps revealing. It's the living Word. It's not the dead Word. It's applicable and has present in every generation. I've said this ad nauseum in the past. Don't never, don't let anybody try to drag you down the road of it being like Moby Dick or Mark Twain 
or some stupid worldly book because it's not. If you approach this book like it's a bunch of Hebrew markings on a, a scroll or we don't have this, or we don't. you ain't never going to get nothing. I mean, you may get the same thing that a blue gum could get down in the local jail. You might get what they can get. But you're never going to understand spiritual things, especially if the Spirit of God doesn't dwell in you. I've said many times in the past, if I hadn't, and down here in South Alabama where I'm at, I could probably find a handful of honest blue gums. I can set them down and teach them the Anglo-Israel truth, and they'll say amen. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. Because there's nothing spiritual to it. That's not a spiritual thing. It's common sense. It's sticking out like a sore thumb to deny it. You're denying the Word of God. So just because you came across the Anglo-Israel truth and you under, don't mean that all of a sudden you've got this grand spiritual revelation. Because it's not a spiritual revelation. It's just like John 3.16, anybody can understand it. Anybody can understand Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 unless you're trying to read something into both verses I just, I just mentioned. Unless you, you're trying to prove some point that the Word of God does not mean to be proved. The way you approach the book means everything. Brother David eloquently the other night brought that out. I've brought it out many times in the past. He done a good job the other night. Excellent job. The motive of your heart determines what the Lord's going to give you and the light you're going to get to take the next step in this journey. And there are so many out there that corrupts them that that are corrupting the mind of people to where the Lord's got all the light cut off. Ain't going to show no more light. Guaranteed. I can say that and not blush and not even miss a lick. How do I know that? Because it's happened to me. Unless the Lord grants repentance and the heart gets right, you ain't going to get no more light. I'm warning you. In love. Best as I can. All right? So just keep that in mind. Go ahead, Brother David. You got anything First you want to add to that? Then you can. Uh, just that, yeah, it's God's mercy that He doesn't give you more light. Because if He did, you'd be responsible for more rejection of His Word and of Him, and just mounting sin upon sin. Even that's right, Brother. Excellent point. Even that, the Lord's merciful in that fact. Even that, absolutely excellent point, Brother. That even that Amen. is the mercy Lord. of God, because to whom much is given. Much is required. Good point, brother. Excellent. Go ahead. Uh, verse 4. And his son went, his sons went and fasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their sisters to eat and to drink with them. I've heard it taught that every one his day could be birthday. Now, I have to. I've heard that. I've heard that too, brother. I've heard that too. 
Sure have. So it's something to take a mental note of. Either way you look at it, they're partying. <laughs> yes. And, and you know, the teaching about not celebrating your birthday and all that. So right. It's right. just a good thing to keep in the back of your mind there that hey, there might be something to that. Yeah, that's true. First spot. But even, even but, later, but later on in the book of Job, Job says, "Better is the day of one's death than the day of one's birth." <laughs> oh, amen. Amen. Yeah, very good point. So let's go ahead, brother. Okay, verse five. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said. It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Okay. Now, we we go here, Job sacrificing, making an offering for them, like I mentioned the other night about the time period. This is before the law. This is before the sacrifice, uh, sacrificing of the lamb, all those feast days. This is before all that, folks. But Job... Is worried about his kids. He's a righteous man. This guy's got it together. And he got, like I said the other night, I don't know, you know, what this, what these offerings did necessarily. I imagine it had something to do with he knew about Abraham's offerings, but the the scripture's not clear on it. Now you can go run into extra canonical text all you want to. All right. If you think you if you you think that there's something out there, but there's an, it, it, all of it's speculation. All right, we try to speak, we try to speak where the scriptures speak, and shut our mouth where they're not. I know it's it's tough sometimes, but that's what we try to do. Okay, and, and in the Garden of Eden as well, right? Oh well, uh, well of the course, Lord yeah. Well, that's Adam right. to sacrifice. And, you know, they wanted to make coverings for their the area where they send out of uh, leaves. You know what but that the shows? Lord, pardon me? It, that, you know what that really shows, if you'll stop and think about it in a deeper level? That mm-hmm. shows the conscience, even all the way back then. Yes. The conscience mm. in our people. Yes. Knowing that there had to be, uh, re- there had to be some kind of re- uh, recompense made for error. Yes. That's wild. I just thought about that. Yes. that that's good, brother. And uh, the sacrificing of the lambs that God did that's and right. gave them skins. Well, it didn't say they were lambs. No. But it said they were skins of animals. So sure. their blood was shed, right, for their sin. That's right. And by Abel being a shepherd and, and the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world, you can in, it infers that it was a lamb. Absolutely. Yes. Amen. Amen. Okay, brother. Okay. Verse Verse 6, now we're going into the spiritual realm. Go ahead. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Okay. Now there was a day when the sons of God, the B'nai Elohim, all right, these are angels, came to present themselves. While I'm talking, brother, turn to Psalms chapter 82. Okay. They came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. All right. Now there's we're going to run a few references and get some insight, a little insight into what takes place 
in the heavenly realm. All right? I got a so, question. Sure, brother. Shoot. This is after the flood. Yes. So these sons of God here, since they just happen to have Satan in their company, they might not be the... I mean, are they all the angels or a specific group? Is Are they the other fallen angels that weren't punished for... No, freedom? no, no, no. This is, this is good sons of God here. Okay, and Satan just shows up with them. But I'll put a caveat to that. There are... The ones that are given dictates over the over the different nations, we're fixing to see that the Lord's going to rebuke them. So it's even possible that they're amongst these sons of God as well. So that's a, I'm glad you brought that up, or I would have forgot to bring that point out. Okay, thank you, brother. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, the sons of God, <laughs> and say here is the adversary. That's all Satan. The word Satan means adversary, folks. Okay. Call him HR Puff and stuff. You can call him Lucifer. You can call him, you know, the guy in the corner. You can call him the pumpkin. I don't care what you call him. It is something. It is an. En- it's an entity. Okay. And according to Ezekiel, he used to cover the throne. He was a cherub, the fifth cherub. And a fifth will kill you if you take enough of them. And five's the number of death. So I can just go on and on and on about that. Only grace one time in the Word of God. I mentioned it the other night. Genesis 5, 5, the first man dies. I can go on and on throughout the Scriptures. 85% of the fives or multiples of fives will deal with death or something in the negative. 10% are good, 5% are neutral. Anyway. I, I got one more question. Shoot. Did God only make five? That's all it's recorded. have no idea. I would presume there's more. But if you had four around the throne and one that covered. So he, I guess he just made just... Then you've got seraphims, which is another ball game. A total another ball game. Um, and you don't necessarily... The only insights you got is in the Scriptures. We, we, we can go to the book of Revelation. We see a little bit about it there. And in the book of Isaiah, a little bit there. And then... Uh, there's a few other places we're going to see a little bit about the spiritual realm. Then, anyway, I'm I'm losing my train of thought. I better stop trying to explain it. Anyway, um, I don't know, but we know how we have, we know that he was the fifth cherub because he covered the throne and there's four left. Okay, gotcha. Okay, and I'll tell you this, which is you're not going to get this in the seminaries, or you're not especially not going to get this around the. The, um, some of the simpletons, I'll, I'll be nice, some of the simpletons out there, if you'll notice that all the cherubs that remain, you know what kind of faces they got? Brother David, can you name off the four faces? Yeah, they have um, uh, an eagle, a lion, a man, and was it a cattle? Ox. A bull? Yeah. An yeah. ox, yeah. Well, I submit to you that every one of the animal kingdom and the human kingdom was represented. Now, what kingdom, what family on the earth is not represented there anymore? The reptilian. The reptilian class, the cold-blooded class is not represented. I submit to you 
that the fifth cherub also had the face of a reptile because the rest of the kingdoms are the rest of the animal kingdoms are they're represented as a rule but the cold-blooded bunch they're not represented just throwing it out there hey there's not a verse of scripture back up what i just told you that's isogesis that's reading into the text folks i don't profess that to be absolute fact i'm just saying the seraphim if you look if you want to go into the hebrew and it has it has reptilian connotations the seraphim do okay if you want to study it out and get roots and all that stuff. So I'm just telling you. Just saying. I wonder why he's called a serpent in the Garden of Eden. Hmm? See what I mean, Jelly Bean? Yep. Anyway. Too. It what? says here, you know how there's a teaching that says no sin can come into the presence of God. Now that's what I teach. <laughs> Yeah, but look at here, sin manifest just oh, comes yeah. into the presence of God. Oh, yeah, but that's different, brother. How? Because that's what he was created to be. Okay. All right. In other words, his office the difference. His, his office is cemented. Mm-hmm. Our sin was by choice. Okay. Mm-hmm. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. Okay. Plus, he's not a man. But. That's correct. That's correct. See, when I'm talking about sin can't enter the throne room, I'm talking about willful sin from a human being. Okay? okay. It's just like Moses and Elijah. They've got some kind of, we don't understand everything, but there's some kind of protect, there come some kind of separation that separates them from being in the presence of Jehovah God. I don't know what that is. The scripture don't tell about it. All right, but I know one day they're going to die because the wages of sin is death, okay? Amen. <laughs> and that's just the way it is. But anyway, I'm glad you brought that up so I could try to clarify as best I could because, I, may, you know, somebody else might have had the same question. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I just wondered how he could just do that, so. Yeah, well, that, I'm fixing to get into that. I want you to read Psalms 82, and then we're going to Revelation okay. chapter 12, and I'm going to bring up a problem. There's a problem here, folks. There is a problem, all right, here in verse 6. There's a problem. See, now, if you didn't know the book, you wouldn't realize there's a problem. But there's a problem in verse 6. It has to be reconciled. Now, we're going to try our best to do it, but even at our best, we're not going to be able to reconcile it completely. I'm just going to tell you that up front, okay? So let's go to Psalms 82, and let's see what takes place in this so-called Divine Counselor in the Congregation of the Lord, as it says in Psalms 82. Brother, go ahead and read. Okay. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods, little g. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, ye are gods, and 
All of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Okay? You can go ahead and be turning to Daniel chapter 10 while I'm talking, brother. Okay. We'll go to, to Revelation chapter 12 after we go here. Okay. All right, folks. This is that. This, I, I don't even. I'm not even going to give any waste any of my breath dealing with some of those people out there. That try to tell you that this is talking about people in the Psalms 82. I'm not even going to waste my breath because it doesn't. It, it's ridiculous. It's purely. How could you be? How could you die like men if you're not? If, you, if you're already a man. If you if you believe the English, you don't have problems with none of that stuff. It's people that's got an agenda and want, have got a certain point. They're trying to prove that rest of scriptures to their own destruction. The rest of the scriptures bears out what I'm teaching. After Genesis chapter ten, when the Tower of Babel took place, God confused the languages and scattered man across the earth. Okay. He said, I'm through with you guys. I'm just paraphrasing now, but this is what, this is what happened. <clears throat> he said, I'm through with you guys. I'm going to call out somebody. That's what happened to Abraham. All right, that's when he called out Abraham. I'm through with you guys, but I'm putting some of my sons, which were angels, over you to have spiritual influence over the nations. How do you know that? He just read it to you. They didn't do a good job. God's rebuking this bunch. For their for their their miswork for their mismanagement of the nations that were put under them, that's what the Lord is dealing with in Psalms 82. You know that because of Psalms 89 tells you where it takes place in the heavenlies. Okay, he's jump. He's telling them for their mismanagement and dealing wrong with the nations that he is going to judge them and they're going to die like men because they're not men. Let me show you some of the... I'm going, now I'm going to take you to Daniel 10 and show you some of these people that are over some of the nations to let you know that I'm not making this up. This is not resting the Scriptures. This is comparing Scripture with Scripture and coming to a scriptural answer. <laughs> My goodness. Too bad everybody else doesn't do that. Or we'd be on the same page. Start reading Daniel 10, brother. Okay. In in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed. Oh, stop, stop, stop. Who, who is king of Persia? Cyrus. Cyrus. Y'all got that? Cyrus. Cyrus the Great. The one Lord's anointed, it, taught, it tells you in Isaiah, that the Lord chose... To take care of Israel. So it calls him the Lord's anointed, Cyrus. Okay, you got that? A man. A man. M A N, human being. He died. Okay, it's a man. <laughs> I'm just being, I'm overly stressing my point because of what's coming up. Continue reading, Brother David. King of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, 
I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread. Neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the fourth and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hidekel, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Uphaz. His body also was like the beryl, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Okay, stop right there. But Daniel's the only one that sees what's going on. It's just like on the road to Damascus, the Apostle Paul is the only one that saw the Lord. All right? It's, this is a specialized vision for Daniel. And he sees this angelic being. All right? That's powerful big time. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Verse 8, brother. Yeah, verse 8. Therefore I was left alone. And saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, an hand touched me which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst Set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God. Thy words were heard. Okay. And stop, I right, am stop, stop right there just a second. Daniel spent 21 days fasting and praying. Now the prayer was heard immediately. He just That's what the angel just told you. From the very first day his prayer was heard. Start there at that comma and continue on, Brother David. Thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. Okay, but lo, stop right there just a second. Mm -hmm. For twenty-one days, the, the, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, he wasn't fighting with Cyrus, folks. <laughs> He ain't, he, he didn't, he didn't win, the, the, Cyrus was not at odds with this angel. It wasn't Cyrus. One angel can kill 185,000 Persians in one night. Puny Cyrus, king though he may be, was not the one that withstood this angel 21 days to keep him from answering 
Daniel's prayer. This is taking you into the heavenly realm of the overseers of the kingdoms of this world. Then it's just going to plain come out and tell you this in a few. It's even going to give you a 200-year look into the future. I'll bring it to your attention when we get to it. Continue on, Brother David. And, and we can also confer from this and, and see that he's the the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Well, then isn't there a prince of the kingdom of Arabia or the prince of the kingdom of Babylonia or the, you know what I'm saying? Uh, well, it's going to tell you that in just a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole council of them, right? That's exactly, over every nation. You see, I'll give you, a, this is eisegesis, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying, that's what, this, what I'm fixing to say. I am of the opinion that these certain angelic princes that are over the nation states, whatever the way the Lord's got it worked out, I don't know. I have no clue how exactly he's got it worked out, but I know he does. Scriptures say he does. They're fixed. They were fixed at one time. That's why the Lord said what he did in Acts chapter 17 about all the the bounds of their habitations were set, talking about the people. This is one of the reasons you'll never hear coming from our quote-unquote racially aware brethren. This is one of the reasons that race mixing, cultural mixing is against the Lord because he set the boundaries of the habitations of the nations and they were not supposed to go to they were not supposed to be mixed period they were not because you mix the cultures you mix the feet you mix the nations then you it winds up mixing the people and the Lord created kind after kind, and that's the way it was. That was right at the very first of the book, and it holds true throughout the book. Now, what has happened is now that you've got that flood of mixed multitudes coming into all the Israelite Christian nations. The angels that were over them have moved with the masses. This is eisegesis, folks. I can't prove what I'm saying. I'm just saying it makes sense looking at it from the outside. Okay, I may be wrong, but I don't think I am. These forces move with the masses of the individual people. That's just my opinion then you have confusion in the heavenlies. And I'll show you where the battle's going to take place eventually in just a few minutes to, con- to try to put a little icing on what I'm telling you I believe is going on, okay? So we know race mixing's bad. We know the cultural mixing in a big way is bad. Because the Lord said in Acts 17, He set the bounds of the habitations of the people. Of all nations, he set their bounds. That's what it says in Acts.
So an overwhelming mixing of culture and especially race mixing among the people is forbidden in the Old Testament, is forbidden in the New Testament. And I don't give a tinker's damn what Billy Graham says or any of the rest of them says. They're false prophets. No matter what their good motives and no, no matter what they say, that's not what the book says. Confusion it is. It's confusion. Don't you ever let anybody ever try to tell you that Brother Spears is a, believes in race mixing. They're a D-blank liar. I just believe in sticking with the Scriptures and understanding what the Scriptures say about the covenants. And I tell you what the Scriptures say, and I don't rest the Scriptures to our destruction. The only one you can find that the Lord hates is Esau, folks. <laughs> Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. So there's a special deal going on with Esau. See, that's not just Old Testament. That's New Testament also. Hebrews. Not only Genesis, but also in Hebrews. So there's something going on there. So you got to follow it on through. Cultural mixing, race mixing, absolutely forbidden. Do it. Suffer the consequences. Suffer the consequences. That's exactly what's happening today, and that's the way it's going. That's the way history is going to wind up. It's impossible, folks. Offenses will come. But woe to the man to whom they come. Don't let it be you. That's not my opinion. That's what the Lord said twice. Go ahead, Brother David. Let's go on and see about this song, these angelic beings. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. It's the kings thorough. of Persia? Michael, the archangel, had to come help him fight these folks. Wow. Something going on, see? Scripture's not all that plain. All you can do is in, it, it infers something. It infers. There's no doubt about them being over the nations. You know that from Psalms 82 and Psalms 89. But it infers that there's battles going, and we'll go. We're going to go the, the the big battle that takes place before the culmination shortly. But anyway, Michael the archangel came to help this specific person here. Go ahead, brother. Continue reading. Verse fourteen. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face toward the ground, and I became dumb. And, behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips, 
Then I opened my mouth and spake, and said unto him that stood before me, O my Lord, by the vision my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained no strength. For how can the servant of this my Lord talk with this my Lord? For as for me, straightway there remained no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. Then there came again, then there came again, and touched me, one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me. Okay, I want to, now, what, now if you folks just, Brother David just read three verses, what would you get out of reading those three verses? What would you get out of that? You're just getting what it says right there, what the rest of the scriptures say. You see what this angel can do? He just touched Daniel and he strengthened him. You see, just unless the angel wants the person to be in his normal condition, it makes the person, like Daniel said, I was dumb. It knocks him to his knees. The power of these beings. And when the, and when the angel chooses not to, it's not that way. You, how do you know that? You know that from Genesis Dealing with Lot, see? They have this power. Guess what you're going to have? The very same kind of power. See? The Lord told them, hey, in the resurrection, hey, they're not given in marriage, but are as the angels in heaven. How many times have I went through this with you guys and told you about walking through doors like the Lord did? All right? Being able to change your appearance. All this power. In the book of Corinthians, it tells you, no, you're not. You're going to judge angels. <laughs> but see, that's what these three verses have, have given you. Not only have they given you this about Daniel, they've given you an insight into your future condition. Not according to me, but according to the Lord in his own self, out of his mouth. John tells you, it does not appear what we shall be. We know when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Paul says, when the Lord comes back, I'll change our vile bodies, so it will be fashioned like unto his glorious body. See? Like the Lord and like the angels in heaven. You will have this. This is stuff to look forward to as we go, as we find out in a minute with all this stuff going here on this earth that you, the elect, have to go through. Continue reading, Brother David. I'm not going to stay on here any longer. Verse 19. And said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee. Be strong. Yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened. What did, that said, tell, well, what did that tell you, Brother David, right there? That the angels are um, able to strengthen us. When With their own words, power. just by speaking it. Amen. Read the verse again and see what I'm saying, folks. I'm not making it up. not reading anything into it. Watch what he says. And said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee. Be strong. Yea. Be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened, and said, Let my Lord speak, 
for thou hast strengthened me. There you go. Go ahead, brother, verse 20. Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. Okay. He's going back to fight with that prince of Persia, not Cyrus. And then he says, lo, the prince of Grecia is going to come. That's Alexander the Great on the earth. But in the heavenly realm, it's the prince of Grecia in the heavenly realm. This, this, is a, this is 200 years. This doesn't happen for 200 years. But he's going to do it immediately once he leaves. Folks, this book is loaded. It's loaded. You just got to slow down and let the Spirit of God... You, first of all, you got to know the book. You're not going to know the book by not reading it and studying it. This stuff is part of promises. This stuff is to reinforce, it's to, it's to strengthen you during the times like Job's going through. And Job, and I'm going to get into that in just a minute, but anyway, finish, the, finish it out. Go ahead and read verse 21, brother, and then go to yes. Revelation 12. But I will shew thee that which is noted in the Scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael, your prince. Okay. Michael, your prince. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's the prince of Israel. Amen. You did get that, right, folks? He's the prince of the, the archangel. He's the prince of Israel. Follows Israel and probably some more wherever they go, wherever we go. All the white, the original white Christian nations. Now go to Revelations twelve. Okay. While he's turning there, I'll go ahead and set this up and explain why we went to these different scriptures, folks. <clears throat> when we go to Revelation 12, Brother David, we're going to, um, Brother David's going to read it, and we're going to see that Satan is still accusing us day and night right this second, even though he was kicked out of Shemayim the third heaven, originally. There's something we don't quite understand, folks, but I'm here to tell you, there's more that takes place inside the firmament, from the firmament down, than we could possibly imagine. It's not just a place for the moon and the stars to go wandering around and the than the planets. There's more taking place up there than the scriptures are plain about, okay? They're not plain about a lot of it. It implies this. But in Revelation 12, we're going to see the battle that's going to take place. And finally, that old accuser of the brethren, who is Satan, the dragon... Lucifer puffing stuff, the duck, whatever. Whatever you want to call him. It's finally kicked on down, and his permanent dwelling is nothing but the earth. He'll have no more access to the third heaven. There'll be no more accusing. Period. Now, you've got some out there that rest the Scriptures that'll try to tell you 
that Satan's been bound to thou all this junk. That Satan's been bound a thousand years, was bound a thousand years during the Inquisition of all of... Folks, there's one person out there that tries to tell you that the millennial reign was when the Catholics were killing us right and left. Over 30 million. You talking about a fool that has a pure agenda to push and will rest the Scriptures anyway to prove their point, even to the point of writing a new New Testament. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brother David. Let's read Revelation 12. I didn't mean to get off. Okay. Verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and he did cast them to the earth. And okay. The stood. Okay. A third part of the heavenly host fell with this dragon, folks. A third part of the host of heaven fell originally. Original fall. Only 200 of them manifested in human bodies on Mount Hermon. What happened to the rest of the third? You ever wonder about those kind of things? Where did they take up? Where did they pitch their tent, so to speak? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Continue reading, Brother David. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Okay. The dragon, with his third, in their spiritual condition, has access to this earth and wherever their abode is. I said wherever. I don't know. And neither do you. If you do... And find it in Scripture, please let me know. I can tell you where it's at, but I can't tell you exactly where it is. It's in the second heaven somewhere. See, a lot of you folks don't even, didn't even know there was three. We'll catch that in a minute. But anyway, this now he Satan in his in the spiritual conditions. Remember what Paul said in Galatians. That these angels can transform themselves, Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. Remember how the Lord can transform himself into somebody that Mary don't recognize, or, or the road on the road to Emmaus they couldn't recognize, then he can switch and they can recognize him. Remember that? It's something that we'll have in our new body. Don't lose sight of that. You got there's all kind of stuff coming on the other side of this three score and ten, folks. Continue reading, Brother David. Verse 5. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. 
and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she had a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. Folks, we'll deal with all this, who he's talking about and all this when we get to the book of Revelation, okay? But I can't, I'll tell you this much, that woman there is you and I. Go ahead, Brother David. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. Okay, you see, they just told you that that third of them stars, that, the, the third that fell, that they're angels. See, if you didn't read down, you wouldn't. You would say some people, oh, that's just a, the heavenly bodies that fell. No, no, no. Tells you here they're angels. Okay. Now there's a battle going on. Well, they've already failed. This battle's taking place in some heaven. Read the verse again, Brother David. And there was war in heaven. Okay, there's war in heaven. Which heaven? There's three of them. At least three. So that tells you that his abode, since he originally got kicked out, is somewhere in the second. And he has access to the first heaven, which comes all the way down to the earth. That's the way he can run after the woman in the wilderness. That's the reason he can walk to and fro in the earth, accusing, go before the Lord and accuse. But that's all going to cease. And it ceases right here. And he tells you that. Go ahead, brother. Keep on reading. And the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. Bingo. Neither was their place found any more in that heaven. I'm not, in, I'm not putting that word in there. If there wasn't three, I wouldn't be able to tell you that, folks. There's not just one heaven. There's three. So he's kicked out of this heaven. Continue reading, Brother David. Verse 9. And the, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. That's going to be a bad day when this takes place, folks. A bad, bad day. But it has to take place for the culmination to take place. Go ahead, brother. Verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Bingo. He was able, just like he's doing in Job, to, to accuse us day and night before the Lord. But now, this takes place in the future. He's kicked out of this heaven. Turn to First Second Corinthians 12 while I'm talking, brother. Certainly. He's kicked out of this heaven down to earth, and he has no more access to accuse us anymore because the culmination of this thing is, is coming to a screeching halt. It tells you in verse 12 that he has great wrath because he knows that his time is short. But he hath but a short time. 
See, you got the original kicking out of the third heaven into the second and first, where he has access somehow, which the scriptures is not plain. I know it tells you that the firmament is like a looking glass. Tells you that in Job, like a molten looking glass. Many other places, 67 times it talks about the firmament. Like some kind of glass that you can see through. I don't know if that's what it is. Hey, it could be a hologram. What makes you think the Lord wouldn't have some souped up deal like that? Some kind of weird stuff. Hey, if we can do it, what makes the, the Lord's hand short where he couldn't do it in super, super, supervision? <laughs> I don't know, and neither do you. All you can know is what the Scriptures say. And it says he's accusing Job back there that he can come before the throne even though he's been kicked out. Don't know how that takes place. But here, he's kicked out and he has no more access. He can't accuse anymore and all the angels are kicked out with him and he's got great wrath because he hath but a short time. And he's going to come after God's people with a vengeance. Verse 13 here in Revelation said, And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. So look out. The future's not rosy. It's going to get worse before it gets better. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, brother. I got a question, Don. Sure. The woman bringing forth the man-child, that's the birth of Jesus. Yeah, it's Israel. In the verse before that, in the timeline of things, it, it says that in his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to earth. Mm-hmm, yeah. So this happened before Jesus. And yeah. then oh, absolutely. Jesus was born in the next verse. Yes, yes. And then the woman fled into the wilderness is Israel. That's right. Basically, and and their exile from God and and That's correct. To Europe and You're spot on America. Amen. You're spot on, and, brother. And so from that point on, it, it starts to go into the future. That's correct. You got it, brother. Excellent. Excellent. You're spot on. Okay, I just want to make sure I was following along correctly here. You're, you're, you're perfect, brother. You can't get no better than that. It's excellent. It's right on. Okay, it brother David. It covers millennia, doesn't it? Do what, brother? Those two verses just cover the millennia of yes, time. Yes, they do, brother. They cover They cover from possibly eons. They cover the time period if there if there is. And I, put, I say it because it's debated among people. If there is a gap between Genesis 1, 1, and 1, 2. It covers all those eons all the way to the present, okay? Yes. It yes. sure does. Absolutely. Second Corinthians 12, verse 1 and 2, brother. Verse 1. It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. Okay, let me set the stage for the people that don't know the book. 
This is Paul when he got his brains rocked, rocked out, okay? Outside this, I forget, Lystra, outside Lystra, and was left for dead. And go ahead, brother, and it'll show you what took place. Go ahead. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. Y'all got and that? Third heaven. So if there's three, you know there's two. And if there's two, you know there's one, folks. At least one, two, three. Ice, dice, strike. Got it? And I don't give a blank what any of them out there try to say. They'll lie to you. They'll lie to you. They have to mess with the Scripture to prove and try to prove what their agenda is, folks. How many times has Brother Don ripped the Scriptures apart, told you this didn't belong in the book, and to try to prove something that I was teaching? How many times have I done that? If I, if Brother David, how many times have I ever done that? Have I? Have I ever said that the Scriptures were wrong and I, I needed to put something in there to prove my point? No, I don't say, think I've ever heard that at all. You never will. Amen. You never will. I don't have to. Why is that? What is the difference between the way I teach you guys and what the reprobates teach you? And I say that with charity. What is the difference? You figure it out. Continue reading, Brother David. Verse 3. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Okay. We know it. He's not talking about the moon and the stars. It's paradise. It's heaven. The third heaven. The dwelling place of the Father and the heavenly host. Above the firmament, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 20. That's where his throne sits. That's what the Bible says. Above the firmament. What's exactly taking place here in Job? I don't have a clue. I can't tell you for sure. I just know he's got another, some kind of something going on there that he can accuse us. Told you here in Revelation, he, he all the way up into the future, he's accusing us day and night. And when he kicks out, the accusations stop. When he's kicked out to where his abode and the third of the host are confined to the first heaven downward. They can't get nowhere above the sky, above the clouds. That's when all hell is going to be poured out here on this earth with a vengeance. Back to Job, brother. Certainly. Okay, verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Okay, I want you to stop right there. Do you notice that he didn't go around it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Ah, yes. He didn't go around and around it, did he, Brother David? No, he didn't. He walked (laughs) up and down in it. He sure did. Which which backs up the, the inner earth and the exterior of the plane. Mm-hmm. Both. Both. It, it backs up both in that one little verse there. But see, you've got to believe what you read, folks. you got to believe what you read. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Now, what, in verse 7 it says, And the Lord said, You see, it's not Satan that says, Hey, Lord, let me go down here about with this. Uh-uh. The Lord is the one that brings the subject up. Now, I want you to stop. Read verse 7, brother, and then I'll comment on this whole thing. Okay. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Okay. The Lord is the one that asks Satan, brings up the subject. We see where Satan's going, up and down in the earth. Verse 8, brother. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Satan didn't say anything about Job. The Lord's the one that brought the subject up. What do you learn from this verse? Think about it. Think about it. How many times have you heard me talk about the closer you get to the Lord, the closer you get to the devil? (laughs) Ah, yes. I don't make stuff up like that, folks. The Scriptures bear that out. See, once you understand that there's a difference between the world and the flesh and the devil, then you can sort out the things that happen. You kind of get a pretty good spiritual insight on it. Once you understand there's a difference. See? Like in Ezekiel, like I said, it talked about Noah, Daniel, and Job. What happened to Noah? Noah got drunk. Then all kind of bad stuff happened. While he was drunk. And he was a perfect guy too, you know, like Brother David said. Not the perfect that you think of, though. Not like we think perfect. But anyway, Noah was a preacher of righteousness, it says in the book of Peter. Preached 120 years. The Lord loved him. And Satan got him right after he got out of the ark. He messed up. And the repercussions has come all the way down to us today. But you learn here that it's not Satan that brings up us. It's the Lord that brings this up. It's because of Job's righteousness. A good man is hated evil, is skewed evil, and feared God. He asked Satan, have you considered him? Mine is, there's so, we're going to see all kind of lessons in this book, folks. 
when you look at that, those words, hast thou considered? Oh, by the way, I'm glad you said that, but go ahead, brother. I might mention or something in just a second. Hast thou considered, and you look at the Hebrew, it speaks of him being set. He was made to be this way. He was a sign. He was It's ordained. a military word. It's a military word, brother. Yeah. He the was word. ordained, sent, set, and sealed by God. Almost as if he didn't have any choice in the matter. He this didn't have to any go choice. Down. He didn't. He yeah. didn't. He didn't. There was no choice. Yeah. Just like we there was no choice. That's right. Just like there is no choice for you. It's ordained, folks. Yes. Like Brother David said, and we're fixing to run those scriptures I told you was going to run. I'm you, this is, that, I, that's the reason I'm telling you 99.9% of your Bible teachers today out there, and I don't mean this to be mean. I don't mean this at all to be mean. But 99.9% of they missed the boat in the context of the New Testament. And it comes from the old. And it comes from this one. This is one of the particular cases that shows you this. The elect of God. Job was one of the elect, folks. You claim to be one under the sound of my voice? Do you? Are you one of them, Paul says, who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Romans 8, are you one? You willing to take what comes with it? Folks, many a call if you're chosen. Watch what Satan says here. Verse 9, brother. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Okay, he said, what Satan is saying here was, Look here. You got, he's fixing to say, you got to hedge around him. He's got all this money, all these fine kids and everything. No wonder he's righteous. No wonder he fears you. You're taking care of him. You know, he's fine. He's wealthy. That's what Satan's saying, folks. Because you know that because what happens next? Okay. <laughs> It's not. I'm not reading into nothing. It's the scriptures. It's plain. It's plain. That's what Satan say. Hey, he don't fear you because he just wants to. He's fearing you. He he putting on this show. Now I am interjecting. He putting on this show because he got all this stuff, and you got a hedge around him. That's the reason he does that. And then, then Satan is going to get, then he's going to continue on with the, his so-called assault. Go ahead, brother. Read the next verse. Verse 9, I'll read again. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. Okay, you see there? That's the, Satan's telling the Lord, this is the only reason Job gives you lip service. That's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying to the Lord. Hey, he don't care nothing about you. He cares about his good. See, this is so much insight into this, I could spend an hour on verse 10. 
Because it comes right down to today. It comes down to your life and my life. It comes down, it comes right down to this very second in your heart. It raises all kind of questions about your professed Christian life. If you let the Spirit of God work with you. Think about it. Next verse, brother. Verse 11. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. See there? Satan says, hey, take away all the pomp. Take away the hedge. Take away his goods. His fat. Take it away, and he'll curse you to your face. I know a lot of folks that just, you know, stump their toe and curse the Lord to his face. Folks, when the Lord says a remnant, he ain't whistling Dixie. Whatever they whistle, whatever the Yankees whistle, that's what he's whistling. Continue on, brother. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Okay. The Lord's setting the rules. The Lord brings it up. He brings up Job because Job's elect of God, ordained of God. Satan shows up to accuse all kind of folks, and the Lord said, okay, dude, you consider this guy? He's one of my guys. Satan says, huh, the only reason he's your, the only reason he even pretends to care anything about you because all of, all of his wealth, his family, you got a hedge about him where nothing can happen to him. And the Lord sets the rules. Okay, dude. Go and take it all. Except don't touch him. That's the rule. Don't touch him. But he can take everything he has. The Lord sets the rules. Folks, there's a great lesson to learn here. The Father is in total control. And I need to take this time right this second to, to make this statement and get this recorded on the air because sometimes the way I teach, there's some folks that come into this program sometimes and some of the down, they've they got Gnostic tendencies, all right? And they come up with this, and some of them out there are new agey. There's no telling what all comes through here, folks. I'm not teaching dualism in my teaching. Dualism is where you got two equal opposing powers. That's not what I'm teaching. Dualism is heresy. You don't have a sovereign God if dualism is true. The Father is in total control of the entity and the situation. Now, you need to think about this, <laughs> really. There's one verse that I've told you at nauseum in the past, and I bet you not one, I, I, I'm, I'll check you out in just a second, maybe. 
There's one verse that tells you why it's this way. Now you get to thinking about think about Dresden. Think about Hamburg. Think about London. Think about the bombings that took place in World War II. Think about the the martyrs that got their guts ripped out. Like I all I'm always referring to. The reason I'm always referring to it is because it had a marked effect in my Christian life. And it would yours if you'd pay attention to it. But think about all the bad stuff that's allowed to happen in your life and has been allowed to happen in God's elect's life. Paul says in Romans 8, For all we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone's turned to his own way. And then he says, We're all slaughtered all the day long like sheep to the slaughter. What loving father would allow that to happen. See? That's, this is the reason you have atheists and agnostics and, and Bible deniers and people that want to change the book and put their own doctrine in. They don't understand the sovereignty of God. They do not understand the overall theme of the book. It, to them, it's not a book. A lot to the majority of them, it's parchments with mistakes and this, that, and the other. The only thing that the Father does not control is what He chooses not to control. I'm going to say that one more time so you'll get it. The only thing that the Father does not control, every situation, every act, every blessing, every cursing, the only thing He does not control is what he chooses not to control. And when he does choose not to be in control, it's for your benefit in the end. I've told you this many, many times. I just want to get that one more time slammed down on record. Of course the Father's in control of all, or He wouldn't be Father. But, there's some things He chooses not to be in control of. Forced love, people, is not love at all. From the month when you are chosen before the foundation of the world. Ephesians chapter 1. Okay? 1 Peter chapter 1. But the things you do in your life, the way you work and obey the Scriptures, that's out of love, folks. Why do you think I'm always pushing the book? Why do you think I'm always pushing love for the Lord Jesus Christ? Why do you think I'm pushing all this? Because that's what matters now for you. Everything is laid out. Everything that happens in your life happens for a reason. Do 
The scripture just verse after verse after verse after verse, context after context after context, tells you this. And people want to steer away from it. Because it's not pretty. It's not soothing unless you look at the, the that one verse that I've told you, if you get that down, you can smile with anything the Father does, if you truly believe it. And we'll go there in a minute and read it. Brother David's read it a dozen times. I don't guess he read it 13 times. You don't mind reading it. <laughs> Turn to Revelation 14, 11, brother. Okay. Do you get this? If you get this in your heart and you understand this, you don't have a problem with nothing he does. See, but hey, I'm, when I say you don't have a problem, folks, I understand that when you when you hurt, you hurt. I understand when you cry, you. Cry. I understand all that. I'm talking about in the heart. I'm talking about what makes you get up and take that next step. I'm talking about what makes you not curse the Lord. What makes you love? I'm talking about that's the way you gr- you love the Lord Jesus Christ. You work on it. I've had nauseam in the past. I use that word all the time because I do that, I, but I do it for a reason. It's important. He's a sovereign God. He's in control of everything except what he chooses not to be in control of. Or he wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be sovereign. And this is why everything that's done in this enclosed plane and in his universe, this is why it's done, is Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Now, this is oversimplistic, I know. But it's the reason for your existence, my existence, everybody's existence, it's the reason for Satan's existence, the angel's existence. It's the reason for everything that happens. This is the perspective that you got to get. You get this. You, you're so far ahead of everybody else that you'll never be able to see them in your rearview mirror once this settles in your heart and you're able to apply it in your daily life. Go ahead and read it, Brother David. 14.11, Revelations 14.11, and the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and no, ever. No, 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 brother, verse 4.11. I'm sorry, if I said oh. 14, I did say 14. That chapter 4, verse 11, I apologize. Oh, okay, no problem. No, oh. that, that was the wrong one, and the smoke of the torment, no, 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 uh-uh. But even that goes right back here to 4.11. Okay, 4.11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You got that, folks? It's all for His pleasure. Everything. All existence. Everything in existence. See, that's, you, you don't like that, do you? You law, you want to be powers there, eh, Pastor? Amen, brother. You see, folks, you don't like the flesh. Don't like that. You think it's all about you. You're sucking wind. You're the one that, that catches the crap. You're the one that hurts. You're the ones that don't have the money to do this or have the money and don't use it. Why? See, you, it's everything is for His pleasure. 
Now, once you get a grip on that and apply it in your life, folks, like I said, you're so far ahead of everybody else that you'll never see them in your rearview mirror. And I don't care if they went to 15 colleges and got 15 PhDs out beside their name. And don't that just sound so oversimplistic? <laughs> ah, yes. Back to Joe, brother. Yes. It's awful interesting how anyone could read Job, uh, the, what we've read so far, and think there's any dual power here. Like <laughs> Satan came to the authority God. God That's didn't right. come to him. That's he correct. came to him, and then he had to fill out a little report, like, where were you? Mm-hmm. He came and told him where he had been and everything. And then Job goes right along and takes the bait. I mean, Satan well, comes right along and takes the bait. Yeah, He thinks right. God that's is bragging because he's a proud braggart. I will, I will. And so he says, well, oh, this guy's nothing. Job's nothing. So he just goes out there and takes the bait, you know, like, where is there anybody who's equal in all this? There is no equality in it whatsoever. The Lord's in control. Absolutely. The Lord's in control, folks. And you, when, I don't care if it's, listen, listen, you got to get this, you don't have to get nothing. But this will help you so much if you understand this. And like I said, it's so simplistic. You've got to get it. This means so much on the other side. I said on the other side. If you get it now. I mentioned it the other night. About the vacation business. About packing for either a trip down to Panama City or moving out to Montana or Washington State. That old poor illustration I gave you. Eternity's a long time, folks. Rewards are something that are earned. You got that? You understand that? Earned rewards. Rewards are earned. That's free will. You can do or don't. You understand what I've just told you and taught you and the Scriptures say? It's a lot easier to earn those rewards. Job's, you think Job's a specific example in the Old Testament? Absolutely. Does it carry over to the New Testament? You better believe it. Turn to Acts, brother. Go to Acts chapter 14 and read verse 2. Okay. Verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil, affected against the brethren. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord. That's 22, gave, brother. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, that's verse 22. Verse, verse 22. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. Watch it now. Watch it close, folks. And that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Folks, if you're the Lord's, 
And the Lord, if you've got anything to do for the Lord, if you've noticed anything reading the Word of God, you realize that He, there's always trials for His folks, His individual folks. Noah, Abraham, Joseph, David, Solomon, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Samson. You may go on and on and on. There's always trials. That's superimposed in the new under the new covenant. Through much tribulation, you'll enter the kingdom of God. Turn to Second Timothy chapter three, brother, and read verse twelve. Okay. Folks, these are just a few verses. Just a few, okay, that we're going to read. We've all, we went through them before, but since we're in Job and dealing with this individual case of Satan coming on the Lord, dealing up Job, one of his guys, for this to happen, you need to understand that when it comes to you, you're dealt up too if you're the Lord's. You see, a lot of folks that's not the Lord, they have to go time and chance happeneth to them all. The preacher says in Ecclesiastes, but not the elect. Go ahead and read it, brother. I'll start at verse 11. Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. What is it? What's the flip side of that, brother David? Uh, those that don't live godly will just, just slide on by, I guess. You got it, brother. Go to First Peter chapter 5 and read verse 10. See, the, people can't stand this. Folks, listen, I'll tell you why. It's because of no surrender. Okay, It's because of the whole New Testament. It's because of the whole Word of God. If you presented your body, if you did what you're supposed to do, it would flow in like a flood if you turned against the world like the Bible tells you to and hated it. It would come rolling in like a flood. If you stood up and proclaimed the Lord Jesus with your mouth publicly, it would come in like a flood. Ask Brother Brian. See, you're immediately trying to run to the Scriptures find out where you don't have to do that. See what I'm saying? All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. First Peter 5, 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Okay, before we go on to the next few verses, understand this, folks. Everybody's got a list in their life. Everybody don't suffer the same way. I'm gonna make this, I'm, I'm trying. I'm gonna make this clear one time, so I don't have to go over it every time. Everybody don't suffer the same way. Certain things that bother me would you would you yawn. 
and certain things that would drive would drive you almost to the point of suicide, I wouldn't give a second thought to. Individuals are different. But each one of you carry the promise of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That's why I have begged you to memorize the verse for things that come up in your life. I begged you and will continue to. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. For there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Memorize it. Hold on to it. And always look for that doorway to escape it. See? First Peter chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, brother. Okay. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Bingo. Chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, brother. Same chapter, verse 12 and 13. Verse 12. Beloved, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Stop just there, just a second. Peter doesn't blink an eye, but tells them, tells those folks, "Hey guys, don't think it's strange. The stuff is coming." Don't think it's strange. Hey. It's supposed to be that way. Start it again, brother, and go through them both. Okay. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You know what the flip side of joy is, folks? <laughs> Do I have to say it? Remember the, what the Lord, remember the verse that says that you won't be ashamed of him at his coming, Brother John says in his letters, in his epistles. <laughs> remember I've talked about that, those folks in Daniel's raised to everlasting shame and contempt. Remember that. Romans chapter 8, verse 17 and 18. Okay. Okay, 17 and 18. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. See that big old if in there, folks? See that big old if? Conditional. You got it? Remember I said a while ago, free will? Forced love is not love at all, folks. 
If you're if you're hanging around waiting to start loving God by some something falling down out of the sky, woo wooing you into love, you barking up the wrong tree. You ain't ever even got in on the ground floor. Continue, brother. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Not worthy to be compared with the glory. Do you know what those guys were suffering? Paul had his head cut off. All the apostles were martyred. Here again, I tell you again, in love, beg, ask, go read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Go listen to it. Seriously, not like it's some off-the-wall fantasy. That's your brethren. It changed my life, folks. It made a, put a whole different perspective on the things that's happened in my life. And it will yours as well, if you allow it to. It's not Scripture. But it's about the elect of God. It tell, it, 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 it's right about what we're talking about here, folks. And like I said, I'm going to reiterate, the list you have of pain that you have to go, it could be different, okay? It could be emotional. It could be physical. It could be financial. It could be all kinds of things. The, listen, listen, and we're going to find out when we get back to Job. The Lord knows, I mean, and the, the, the accuser knows right where to hit you at. And for all those that sit back and point fingers and say they think that they can know when somebody this, that, and other, oh, they're just, it, you know, they're full of it. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and read verses 16 through 18. Watch this very close, these, these wordings, what the old, the old beat-up apostle says. About all this, he doesn't talk about all this suffering. He he gives two different accounts and goes through the list of everything he went through, and then tells you in Second Timothy talks about if if you suffer, you're going to reign. When he just told you that in Romans eight, that that if that conditional, folks, if you say, listen listen, it works like this. You just can't claim to be a Christian and then vacation the rest of your life. It don't work that way. You can, oh yes. You can do it. Yes, you can. You better not roll those dice, folks. If you love not the world, you'll catch it. If you present your body a living sacrifice, that you'll prove what is that good, perfect, except will of God, and apply what the book says. You see, to apply what the book says, you got to know what it says. And if you ain't got it, how could you be held accountable for it? That's why you know you got it, folks. You got the words of God. Go ahead and read, brother. Watch it close. Watch what he Second says. Cor- all this stuff he is. <laughs> Second Corinthians four sixteen, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And for the church, for the body of Christ, 
he gives one last warning. Revelation chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. Brother David, then we'll go back to okay. Job. Okay, 18 and 19. Verse 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. 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 If you've been vacationing, see, when I say vacationing, you think about everything wonderful. Folks, I need to get to the, I need to dispel that rumor, all right? When I'm talking about vacationing, you're three score and ten. I'm just talking about having it your way. That's what I'm talking about. See, unless you have it his way, you can manipulate circumstances to where you slide through like a grease ball bearing, and most people do. That's why the remnant are so small. Folks, this is not my opinion. Again, this is not my opinion. This is this is ground solid rock first and second century doctrine, Christian doctrine. This is not my opinions. Back to Job, brother. Okay, Job 1, verse 13. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding besides them. And the Sabines fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Wow. Wow. When Satan gets busy, he gets busy. When the Lord takes away that hedge, he sure can wreak havoc, folks. See, there's been a hedge around you. There's been a hedge around the elect ever since they took their first breath. 
And if your number comes up, if you're obedient, see, isn't that so? Didn't that seem crazy that if you're obedient and do right, that the Lord turns Satan loose on you? That sounds like a see, and the worldly way of looking at things. They'll tell you that, well, that's a sadistic God. No, it's not. No, it's not. See, when the pain comes, you should be asking, what's the purpose? Mental, financial, physical, whatever. The first thing that should come out in your mind, what is the purpose? In the light of the Scripture. Not who did it to you. Because ultimately, you know who did it to you. You just found that out. That's why I get sick and tired of hearing... Well, I'm not going to jump off on that bandwagon. The Father's in control. When the pain comes... You find you why? What is the reason? Why? What should I learn from this? I know it's for my benefit. Or the Lord wouldn't let it happen. See, like I said earlier, when you think when you go and watch that that firestorm video or see how our people were slaughtered, mass slaughtered, that old hatred rises up in your in your body. You know you want revenge. But that's not what the book says, folks. And I can't, you know, for me to have to say things like this, you think that this old boy, country boy, likes to say it? My flesh don't like it at all. I'd like to slam back, okay? But the book says, Revenge is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And he will. And he says to love your enemies. Do good to them that despitefully use you. Pray for them. Give them a drink of water and bring down and make like be like coals of fire on their head. That's people that hate you and do you wrong, folks. You say, Oh, I'm just ain't that way. I ain't see that's your problem. There's no spirit of obedience in your heart. If even the Spirit of God does dwell in you. Or either that, or it's a lack of knowledge of the book. Either way, there is no excuse. Start verse 20, brother. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Wow. Said. Wow. Wow. He didn't say it was the Jews' fault. He didn't say it was Wall Street and the bankers' fault. See, let's get it down to the nitty-gritty, folks. Let's get it down to what matters 500 years from now. 
Sei. There's a time and place for everything. Okay? There's a time to fight. Of course there is. You never heard me say there wasn't. There's time to love and a time to hate. Of course there is. Paul says, as much as life within you, in as much as life within you, live peaceably with all men. Sometimes you can't. But see, our nature is quick to run and look for the excuse not to obey those words. I know human nature. How do I know it? I know it because the book explains it. But here's a man, the first thing he does when he's lost everything he's got, arose, ran his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground, and worshipped. Hmm. Bet you ain't never done that. You might say. Not at first. Continue on, Brother Dave. Verse 21. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Wow. See now why the Lord chose him. (laughs) Why the Lord said, Hey, have you considered Job a just man? Turned, lifted the hedge, and turned Satan loose on him. And he didn't waste no time. Took everything this righteous man had. But as we go through this, I'm going to, I'm going to folks, listen. Y'all you hear is about righteousness, about righteous men, righteous job. Right? The, one of the things, and I didn't mention this to start with tonight, because we because it's 40-something chapters later. But I'll go ahead and tell you one of the things it shows in this book. Job's problem was he knew he was righteous. I'll go ahead and tell you. He knew he was righteous. It was self-righteousness that got him. You find out that later on in the book. The Lord uses Satan to glorify himself at your expense for his pleasure. See, don't that sound so wrong? But it's so right. Dulos, bond slaves, don't have much of a choice in the matter, see. Servants, you know what it says in English? Doulos, bond slave in the Greek. 
But every bit of that is for your good and my good. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Think about it. Hey, repentance, the last thing after everything that takes place, what does Job do? Repents in sackcloth and ashes, as righteous a man as he was at the very end. When the book says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, it wasn't whistling, the book ain't whistling Dixie. When it says all your righteousness is as, as used, a ministerial cloth, filthy rags, it ain't whistling Dixie. Whistling Yankee Doodle Dandy. <laughs> These are things you need to think about, see? You want history? You want history lessons and, and a bunch of gray matter stuff? Go somewhere else. I'm concerned about you 200 years from today. Not how you're going to spend tomorrow bragging to somebody about what you know. Knowledge puffeth up, folks, but charity edifies. Open rebuke is better than secret love. And faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time we've had to spend together tonight, Lord. I pray that you take the Holy Spirit and use these words, Father, to accomplish that which you intend to accomplish, Lord. We love you. We want to see you soon, Father. I know you've got a purpose for each and every one of us in this life, Father. I pray that you'd make that will perfect and plain to each and every one under the sound of my voice and to the downloaders. Go above and beyond, Lord, just for this one time. Give give special light to those individuals that you're interested in, Lord, in a big way. Father, I pray that you'd take the words, the Word of God, and make and, and give people the unction to want to learn your book, Father, to want to learn these words, to hide them in their heart, that they may not sin against thee. Yes. Like David said in Psalms 119.11. Father, the, the, the world is so turned upside down, our society and quote-unquote Christian life today amongst the majority of our people is so out of whack and out of kilter and we've turned over our we've turned over to the flesh in such a big way. Father, you know our people never draw close to you in this end time whenever we prosper. It's only when your foot's on our neck that we realize we better do some repentance. Father, I pray that you'd have mercy. I pray that you'd offer that spirit of repentance to the ones that need it right now, Father, without the rod of correction. Yes. I, I pray, Lord, that you'd be merciful right now. You know the ones that need it, Father, I don't. 
You've been merciful to me, Lord, many, many times. I thank you so much for it. Father, I pray that you'd answer these folks' prayers. There's certain prayers that probably if you answered, Lord, that it would turn their life around in so many ways. Draw them closer to you in so many ways, Father. I pray that you'd make a special dispensation answer those prayers, Lord. Let them know that it was divinely answered from you to give them a special love for your book and a special love for the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray if there's any downloaders out there, Father, that your call is on their life and you're calling them to do your work, that you'd make it plain to them, Lord. Bring it about in their life where they'll have to make a clear-cut decision to turn their back on you or to follow you. And, Father, whatever you do, we know it'll be good. We know that everything you do is right and just. And in the end, it's all for your pleasure. And I thank you so much, Father, that we're a part of that. Thank you. And, Father, I pray that you'd go with us now, meet back with us Sunday night, have something for us out of your book Sunday night, Lord, and I ask all these things in the name of our blessed Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's for his sake and his sake alone I ask these things. Amen and amen. Amen. Okay, Brother David, is, has anybody got any questions in the chat room? We had a prayer request that came in after you started. Okay. And, uh, guest four asked that she says, or he says, um, Aunt Eileen had a stroke. Please pray for her. Absolutely. Let me write that down. What's the name again? Eileen is E-I-L-E-E-N. Eileen. E-I-L? Yeah. E-I-L. Eileen. Did they say whether they were in the hospital or... or no. Um, no, that was that was all they said. Okay, I've got it written down. And brother David, if you go ahead, write this second and pray for um, Aileen, okay? Okay, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you and we lift up to you this person's aunt Aileen, and we pray that the Lord Jesus Christ's work on Calvary would apply to this situation, that you carried her sickness and bore her diseases, and that by your stripes we were healed. And, Father, we were healed. We thank you that this applies. It's done. It's a given thing for those whom you choose to give it to. And when you were on the earth, Lord Jesus, you gave it to all who would receive. So we pray in the name of Jesus that you ready Eileen's heart, that you come on her at this moment, in this time, by the Holy Spirit, that you would come and lay your hands upon her, your healing hands, and that her heart would be restored, that every fiber and cell and tissue within her heart muscles would be healed, and that all the the uh, nervous system that's attached to the heart and to the brain, that they would be healed, Father, in the name of Jesus, that there would be no permanent effects in her brain, in her memory, in her mind. In the name of Jesus, I pray for a total and total restoration of her brain and of her 
nervous system and of her heart in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. So be it. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Just remember this, folks. I, 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 after tonight, you sh- I shouldn't have to say this, but I'm just going to remind you, Father knows best. Father knows best. Always. Always. All right, Brother David. Oh, yeah, contact information for Don Spears Ministry. Telephone number 334-397-2333. That's 334-397-2333. The email is joydon1953 at yahoo.com. That's joydon1953 at yahoo.com. Mailing address 31. 55 Louisville Street, apartment D1. That's 3155 Louisville Street, apartment D1, Clio, C-L-I-O, Clio, Alabama, 36017, 36017. And thanks for listening tonight. Amen, Brother David. I appreciate it very much. Good job, Brother. Good job, Brother Kevin. I appreciate you folks being there. And Lord willing and health permitting, we'll see you guys Sunday night. God bless. Good night, all. Good night.